What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Wednesday episode of the show. This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Kyle, what's up, dude? How you feeling? Happy Wednesday. I feel good. Um, running on built bars right now, as you'd expect. Not bad. White chocolate I'm, shipment in? Yeah. yeah. You know, white chocolate uh, cookies and cream is a banger. Confirmed yeah. banger. Uh, also good is the white chocolate salted caramel. I don't know if you've had that one. Didn't have that one. Uh, the the cookies and cream is elite. And I'll tell you what, I'm a little upset that they are limited edition. I need them to be available all the time. Uh, so correct. And wanted- and and you've been neglected of a box because we originally agreed upon a bet with BYU and Coastal Carolina. Yeah. And the winner was going to get a box of white chocolate cookies and cream. And I decided to get you something else. And we've literally been playing this waiting game with the U.S. Postal Service for not sponsor of the Draft Dudes podcast, by the way. <laughs> uh, U.S. Postal Service, which has had your package from, according to the tracking devices, sitting in the same spot for the last five days. It's not here yet. It should be here anytime now. Originally, you're like last Thursday. Hey, it'll be there Thursday. Oh, yep. It should be there Friday. Oh, it'll be here Friday. Oh, well, now it's next business day. Now it's Monday. Yep. So. It, we're we're planning. I'm actually checking on the status of it right now. Good, good. Shuby, good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, today's not a fun day for me. Um, I look at game. No, I'm looking outside my window, and for oh, the first here time, comes the snow. In about eight years, I'm about to experience snow, right, and I, I forgot what it was like, and I'm not looking forward to it. I'm actually, J- Joe, are you getting anything? Or you're all probably rain down there. I think you're on the fringe. Yeah. It's uh, it's raining. It was raining when I was letting the dogs out this morning. So, oh, so you let the dogs out? Got it. Got it. Oh, that, that long, long questioned life quandary has now been answered. Thanks to Joe Marino. No, no snow up here though, Chris. You're more welcome to drive up, uh, come to Delaware. Okay. And uh, it's just just rain. High of 36, but 36 and rain. It is time. For us to embrace the Levi Grail Once for again. two more franchises that have been eliminated from the playoffs, Houston Texans and the Atlanta Falcons. And as a reminder, what is the Levi Grail? It is inspired by a quote that Marv Levy said and used after the Buffalo Bills lost to the New York Giants in the 1991 Super Bowl in devastating fashion. Ride right. Scott Norwood couldn't make the field goal. The Bills lose. And Levi's rallying cry to the team was a a beautiful poem from Sir Andrew Barton that says, fight on, my men. I am hurt, but I am not slain. I'll lay me down and bleed a while, and then I'll rise and fight again. And so your seasons didn't go well. Make or break year for Dan Quinn in Atlanta. He breaks 
the wheels fall off in Houston, right? But Bill O'Brien and his egregious roster management. You hate to see it. You do, right? Is it somebody? What do you, what do you always say? Is somebody who uh, it's a great year to have inve- in investments in Houston Texans yeah. future draft yeah. capital. Heard that about ten thousand times from Kyle uh, over <laughs> over the last year. But anyways, we're here to inspire hope in these fallen times here for Houston and Atlanta. Man, I really wish Vegas would have dropped off this week too. Just to say Houston, Atlanta, Vegas. Chris knows what I'm talking about. Joe, I know you do. Not. Yeah, that's the second time you said that. And I, mm-hmm. the, first, the first time I was like, yeah, I guess I'm not in on it. Now you brought it up again. And so now I want to know where that came from. It's a Drake song. Oh, it's a Drake song. Remember last week we had that conversation about <laughs> Drake songs and how many you could name. And we got one. And God's plan. Yeah, God's plan. That is a Drake song. <laughs> Very good, Joe. Very is good. It, I don't think it's in that, is it? <laughs> no. Houston, Atlanta, Vegas is the name of a song. It's the name of an actual song, Joe. Okay. All right. Well, I never heard it. So, uh, all right. We well, want to start with Houston. <laughs> yeah, let's start. I think Houston's fairly easy, right? Well, not if you're Chris Schubert. Uh, Chris Schubert would tell you that Deshaun Watson is a middling quarterback in the NFL. Kyle and I would tell you that he's, I mean, top six, seven. Top six. Right. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't get too much further than that. So, I think when you look at, what you need to cling to and what's going to get you out of this. And it's going to be a little bit bumpy here because you don't have any draft capital, but you have the Sean Watson, who is one of the elite young quarterbacks in the NFL and a tough year for him where his weapons were <laughs> snatched right out from underneath them. I uh, kind of stacked the new deck asked to play a little bit differently. And obviously Bill O'Brien lost the team. So, Deshaun was still a bright spot this year, and that's, I mean, I don't know where else you can start other than, hey, look, you have one thing that literally none of these other teams we've talked about to this point, and a lot of them that are going to be coming here, that they they don't have a guy like Watson, and and you do in Houston, and that's a lot uh, to cling to here in this this down year that I don't think even the most pessimistic forecast for the Texans would have forecasted. I would also argue that uh, kind of the chance to hit refresh you know, Houston is a team that has not a lot of history in the NFL. They've been around less than 20 years, which is crazy to think about, right? So the direction of the Houston Texans uh, has really only been controlled by a handful of people. You think about Dom Capers, Gary Kubiak, Bill O'Brien, and then you had like interim terms for Wade Phillips and Romeo Cornell. The Texans have had three permanent head coaches in the history of the franchise. And you found some success at the end of the Kubiak era, middle stretch of the Bill O'Brien era. But like, I don't know, Joe, how many, how many years do some of these other teams need to go through three head coaches? Yeah. Not right. Yeah. Not many. Like (laughs) Cleveland, Cleveland went through three and or Arizona went through three in 14 months. So you think about the chance to get some fresh blood into the organization and what that could potentially do to energize the players that are there. Uh, I think that should not be underestimated as, as a potential catalyst for positive change. Uh, but like you said, it's going to be a bumpy ride and this turnaround is not going to happen with any degree of quickness because they don't have assets to reload they kind of committed to not stripping down players when it was apparent that their season was sunk. They're now sitting at four and nine. 
maybe an opportunity to trade a Will Fuller or a J.J. Watt or whatever, and that could have helped kickstart that process. So just as a Texans fan, you have to look at this and understand 2021, like maybe Deshaun Watson plays lights out and he elevates you to 500 play, but like your next window is probably looking like a 2022 start time. So just having that understanding and in the big picture, I know diehard fans, you want to live in the moment, you want to root for wins every single year. I think that having that mentality will help Houston Texans fans a lot as they get ready for this transition. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less. Up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of Built Bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. Well, and... And like you said, I, I believe you said, kind of the, the course here is pretty clear. Get the new leadership, continue to roll with Deshaun. But from a personal standpoint, obviously, you're pretty limited with being right up against the salary cap in terms of projected 2021 space and not mm-hmm. having a first and second round pick. But you kind of know what you need, right? I mean, like defensively, this team, it's been a problem, right? They were able to, to advance in the playoffs last year. But at the end of the day, that defense was way below average and you know, you've you haven't really seen many players at all, you know, exceed expectations on the defense. I think you got some building blocks there with, you know, Justin Reed looks like a nice player. You got those two backers in McKinney and in Cunningham, a few pass rushers. Charles Amenihue looks like he's going to be a player, but you got a lot of work to do on that side of the football. And I think part of the reason the defense didn't get better this year is while they replace Romeo Cornell with Anthony Weaver, it's felt like not really. It wasn't the big shift that that defense needed because all they do is elevate a position coach to a, a DC job. The DC becomes like a special assistant and you've not really changed anything. I mean, personnel wise, they didn't do much, right? I mean, they basically just lost DJ reader and didn't do anything to replace him substantially. So I think you have a lot to work with, obviously with Deshaun and some of the pieces on offense, but you can really make some sweeping changes here to a defense that's been needing it for a while now. Joe, can you fill in the blank for me here? Maybe. Actually, th- let's make it a yes or no question. The Houston Texans need additional help on the offensive line. I think I think so. I think so. I don't think they're quite done there. And, and I do agree that some of the pressure that Deshaun has faced – over his career, including this year, is a result of, of his own. The, the Texans Sean. have given up yeah. 34 sacks this year. 15 of them have been charged to Deshaun Watson. You know, I mean, he's that's still a part of his game. It's part of what makes him such a dynamic player, but, you know, he puts a little extra stress on those blockers up front. Yeah, so his sack percentage, and, it, you know, when I'm not bagging on Deshaun. I'm just kind of saying Texans fans – I think you have to also understand with all of the brilliance that Deshaun Watson brings, 
a byproduct of that is he's going to invite more pressure. He will break some of those pressures and some of those he won't. His sack percentage is on dropbacks. And each of his four seasons in the NFL is 8 and 8.2, and 8.3. We're kind of working with a pretty steady trend here. Like Deshaun's going to get sacked on 8% of his dropbacks on any given year. So I would make the case and the argument that if we are going to add to the offensive line, let's make decisions based on who's going to help us most in the run game. Because I think getting additional balance, uh, Houston is not has not been overly impressive running the football. David Johnson's been the feature back. Uh, Deshaun Watson, because uh, David Johnson is on COVID reserve now, right? He's played nine games this year. He has 452 yards rushing. Uh, Deshaun is less than 100 yards away from being the team's leading rusher this season. Mm. So forget about improving pass protection. Deshaun and, and Sachs being somewhat of a quarterback stat, I think, you know, let, let's not be too hard on the offensive line and pass pro here. So as we continue to, to focus the vision for Houston, if you're going to make improvements on the offensive line, make them geared towards the running game. Where are you at with this receiver core? Because I mean, obviously the this new Hopkins is inexplicably not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Fuller's probably you see him coming back. I mean, where, where do you like the makeup of this group? Do you feel like they need to make some changes here and, and add to it? I can tell you, I don't like what they're rolling with right now with Kiki Kuti and Isaiah Coulter and Brandon Cooks because Will Fuller is suspended for the rest of the season and. Uh, Randall Cobb's on IR, so I definitely think there's 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 an overhaul here needed. But I think it's pretty clear what kinds of players Houston wants, or at least wanted for Deshaun Watson. It will be interesting, and this is something we know Houston's going to do, giving Deshaun input on who the coach is. You know, like what do you think works? And working with your franchise quarterback, you know, it can be a slippery slope, but they've already locked Deshaun in long term. So you don't have to worry about things going south and making a higher and then him leaving the following year. So kind of twitched up speed receivers, not necessarily a team that you would peg to have a lot of size, right? Who who was the last six three, six four wide receiver on the Houston Texans? Because they don't have one on the roster now. And and DeAndre Hopkins was, what, 6'2"? So um, I think there's there's reinforcements needed, but I think the vision based on the direction that they went, if Deshaun Watson had input on that already, not that his input would have been, hey, let's trade our best football player besides (laughs) myself. Um, This is kind of the book on Houston. So, So you're looking towards the draft, Joe. Humor me. This year, third round, a guy like, you know, if Kadarius Tony ends up being there, which he might not be, um, if the NFL gets a little more down on Chris Olave, I think those are the kinds of receivers that you could see based on what their current template is at the position. Yeah. All right, Shuby, anything to add on Houston? Do you? I, I think what I th- when we when we decided last night that this was the show we were going to do today, I did a little bit of uh, the nerd stuff and I went to overthecap.com and I was messing around in the salary cap calculator for the next couple of years for the Houston Texans. And 
I know we're supposed to be optimistic when we're having this conversation, but I couldn't help but notice the big glaring red number that was staring at me for next season of $18.6 million. Now, the way I'm going to spin this into a positive is because you have the quarterback position figured out. Yes, it's me saying that the Houston Texans have the quarterback position figured out. That's going to make it much more likely that you're going to be able to get a a top tier GM candidate to come in and take that job compared to, you know, what's going to happen in Jacksonville compared to the job Joe Douglas is going to have to do in New York to where you have probably the most important position on the field figured out. So guys are going to want to line up to, to, to run the Houston Texans. So you can bring in a guy who knows his way around the cap, who knows how to navigate these, landmines of contracts that Houston has to try to get them under that number so that they can start to build and can start to add because they have a couple of guys in you know Brandon Cooks and Duke Johnson that they could cut and they wouldn't have any dead money next year and could get them very close to being cap neutral to really start to be able to build this roster out now you you do lose stuff on the offense when you do that but what's better is it better to have Brandon Cooks and Duke Johnson on the roster or is it better to 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 eat into that cap, cap number a little bit to be able to build this team out in the vision of the new GM? I don't know, but they certainly are in an advantageous position from that regard. Joe, let me ask you this because Chris makes a great point, specifically regarding Brandon Cooks. They traded a two for Brandon Cooks. Mm-hmm. You know, this team had no draft capital. Uh, they trade DeAndre Hopkins, and then you say, well, well, okay, at least like they got some picks for 2020, and then they turn around, they trade. I think it was the highest one. No, it was the second second-round pick that they traded to the Rams for, um, for Brandon Cooks. Whenever there's frequent hierarchy changes, whether that's GMs, coaches, offensive or defensive coordinators, inevitably there's some degree of collateral that is – collected right and you lose because players don't fit schemes and so on and so forth how do you do you regard that at all if you're running the texans like do you do you have any wherewithal of we traded a two for this player before i got here he's a good football player but yeah we're going to cut him and save the cap and it's just sunk cost and it is what it is and it's not my problem? Or like, would you try to find a way to make it work or maximize a return on investment, even if it's not what you paid to get him in the first place? You know, I've been critical of regime switches in this overarching theme that seems to always exist where guys come in and they have to have their guys, right? Like, I didn't bring you here and I have no commitment or ties to you and I want this roster to be full of my fingerprints and guys that I brought to this building, but I think that's a bit of a mistake because sometimes there's really good football players that you can keep and um, maximize and, and make part of your being the solution and part of the answer there. Right. You now, Brandon Cooks is 27 years old. I, I mean, 2015 to 2018, four years in a row, he's an 1,100-yard-plus receiver. Had some injuries in 2019, and he's been fairly productive this year despite you know a, a really unusual – onboarding process where he couldn't really spend time learning the playbook and getting chemistry down with Deshaun Watson because of the challenges of the pandemic. So I think Brandon Cooks is still a useful player in the NFL. And if you identify what you want to accomplish offensively and feel like Brandon Cooks can help you, then I think that's the only thing I would care about in the decision-making. It wouldn't be that I gave up picks or that I didn't bring him in there. It would be, can this player help me? And and what we're paying him 
is that can measure it to uh, the production we think we should get and can get. So that's all the only, that's the only thing I would think about with every single player that's existing on the roster. And if the answer is no, then find a way to to flip that to bring something that's a net positive to your football team, and maybe that is just a draft pick and clearing up the cap space. Also being mindful of where you are in your life cycle, right? Because this is a player with a, probably a diminishing window to really be productive. So you have a lot to balance, right? Right. Right. And can I add one thing, guys? It, th- this is a one-year cap problem for the Texans, right? Like 2022 and moving forward, they have the available cap to add talent, right? This is a one-year kind of transition that they're going to need to solve and navigate. And they're going to have to look at guys like Brandon Cooks, uh, you know, like their running back room with Duke Johnson and David Johnson and say, okay, is what we are projected to pay them in 2020, 2021 worthy of what their talent level is to us right now? Because if not, it might be they might be better off cutting the two running backs in Duke Johnson and David Johnson and saying, you know what, we're going to use a, a fourth or fifth round pick on a guy and pay him nothing and have that cap space to be able to go do something else, or at least to get us to a more comfortable position. That's the navigation that they're going to have to do. But again, when you have the quarterback position figured out, it makes these decisions so much more easier to make because you don't have to worry about that. Like whoever takes over in Jacksonville, we talked about this when we did the first edition of the Levy Grail. They have so much to worry about. They have to get the pick right at quarterback. They probably have to get a new head coach in there. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be done there while also building up that roster. The Texans have the quarterback figured out. Get the cap situation under control for this season. Put yourself in a position to probably go 500 next year, and then, boom, you can hit the ground running in 2022. Well, I got a question I want to spin to Kyle that really plays off of everything you just said there, Shuby, and the reason I want to give this to Kyle is because I'm pretty uncomfortable in where I think – here and so I'm hoping Kyle can can help uh, help me settle on what I think the answer is. We talk about life cycles. It's the big buzzword on this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's a big buzzword in our analysis and our approach to what we do as analysts. So Kyle, my question is based on this football team, the al- the resources that it has and doesn't have, and the fact that they do have the Sean Watson. Where are they? I, I, how quickly can this get turned around? to the point where you think about players like Cooks and those running backs and even a J.J. Watt actually being part of the solution when you have enough in the building to realistically expect to compete? And how do you kind of weave in the fact that you do have Deshaun Watson in his prime right now? Like, what's the answer to all that? Well, that that's the complicated part because I think Deshaun is 2021. And I think the rest of the team's life cycle around him is 2022. So can Deshaun play MVP caliber football and elevate this team to nine, 10 wins in 2021. I wouldn't rule it out as an impossibility. I'd say it's an improbability with how bad the defense is. It may prompt them to beat the the passing record. Like Dak Prescott was going to do <laughs> on a terrible Dallas team yeah. before he got injured against the giants. Dak was on pace to pass for like 6,200 yards in four and a half games uh, be out of necessity. That may be the case for Deshaun next year. Uh, but even then, like Dak was thrown to Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup with Ezekiel Elliott as his running back. So the skill players were better in Dallas. Um, I'm, 
I wouldn't rule out some kind of crazy upstart 2021 season, but I think you have to be honest with where you're at and say 2022 is where our window starts. Looking for the ultimate stocking stuffers for this holiday season? Look no further because our sponsors, Manscaped, have the tools to make you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products. And great news, they have just released their products across Europe, Canada, and Australia. A few of their products that are making prime stocking stuffers this season are the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. The name speaks for itself. The Crop Reviver. It's a ball toner, a spray-on toner that will give your balls a little slice of heaven with their aloe vera and hazel extracts. You can get the Crop Cleanser, which is a body wash, a full body wash that you can also use on your hair. They've got the Crop Mop, which are ball wipes. You never know when an opportunity strikes, so you should always be prepared. The Foot Duster is foot deodorant that is designed to keep the stinkiest feet smelling fresh. Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit. They have the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer, which also provides proprietary skin-safe technology to get rid of those nasty nose hairs. And let's not forget about the best trimmer for your butt, balls, and body, the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming incidents. I got a deal for you. You can get 20% off and free shipping over at manscaped.com with our promo code TDN, whether it's for your partner, dad, brother, friend, get them something that they will actually use and is sure to get a laugh. Again, get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code TDN. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. All right, we ready to shift gears to the Falcons, the 4-9 Falcons? Yes. With Houston. All right. Yes. Kyle, I, I was able to kind of take the reins here of that Houston discussion and, and get the first thing out, and so I want to give you the opportunity to do that with Atlanta as we inspire hope for this 4-9 football team. Sure. Well, I think the, the good news is there's plenty of – talent on this football team. You look at the Atlanta Falcons in their roster and Julio Jones is getting older, but he's still very talented. And Calvin Ridley looks like a hit as a former first round pick. The offensive line, uh, they recently invested two first round picks in on the right side between Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry, two players that are developing players. Uh, Hayden Hurst is turning into quite the little player for them as, uh, as well after getting traded there from, from Baltimore in a slow start. Uh, for him in Baltimore. So I think there's some infrastructure to work with. You have an established quarterback in Matt Ryan, not necessarily somebody who's going to be there for the long-term view. But um, I think you look at that side of the football and you feel really good. And then on the defensive side of the football, I think you have a blue chip player in Grady Jarrett. You have a nice pass rusher in Dante Fowler. And you've got a Mike linebacker to work with in Deion Jones. What the rest of that looks like, that's kind of where the build gets in. You're going to have to figure out who your long-term quarterback is. you got to figure out who your long-term replacement for Julio Jones is. Jake Matthews isn't that long. He should be a fixture on your offensive line, so reshuffling that should not be too difficult. But long-term quarterback, replacing Julio Jones, and your back seven for the most part and improving your pass rush. Everything uh -huh. on defense. Ideally, AJ Terrell can can be one of your answers there. Ideally, but how high did we think of AJ Terrell? I liked I liked AJ Terrell. I think more than you. Um, I'm like top fifty. 
Uh, I I think AJ Terrell's been a good player this year. Uh, I think he started a little bit slow, but he's, I think he's been a lot better. I, okay. I'm, okay. I'm optimistic there. Um, well, and, and you you kind of have this opportunity, like a lot of the teams we've discussed to this point, to get that new leadership in the building. And, and it's been a long time, especially at general manager, uh, where they're finally going to get a, a new face in here to kind of make those decisions. And that's not been the case for a long time. And I think everybody respects Dan Quinn, but um, the results weren't there uh, over the last several years. And I, I think the the year-to-year wonder, right, of, of uh, how Dan Quinn is going to lead this football team and if he can win tight games, like, it's kind of nice to put that behind you, right? All, mm-hmm. They've been the butt of so many jokes with, you know, blowing leads, not being able to finish games, some, you know, really – collapsing you know big time like collapses in the fourth quarter uh meltdowns and so i think once you bring in that new coach it helps to put that stuff in the rear view mirror and i i mean it's hard not to look at that super bowl meltdown and and, and not think that it was a contributing factor into the inconsistency of the team over the next several years because stuff like that kept happening so i think that reset at head coach in gm is it's going to be a good thing for this team to kind of put that stuff in the past and move forward. I've got a nice little oddity for you. If you're looking for optimism around the Atlanta Falcons right now, right? Teams four and nine, but do you know, this team has a positive point differential this season. Uh, no, I didn't know that off the top of my head, but big win over the Raiders. I've been thinking about that was strange game. 43. So, So they're plus six. But they've lost more than twice as many games as they've won. That, to me, is like the ultimate weird, (laughs) weird, like, statistic. And you you go through and you comb through the losses that they've had. They lost by Dallas by – they lost to Dallas by one. They lost to Chicago by four. They lost to Detroit by one. And this kind of feeds into what you were saying about "Quote unquote Chargers thing." They've lost. They lost to New Orleans by five, and they lost to the Chargers by three. Seattle by three as well. So, just so many tight losses. So, yeah, what are you going to do? You, you, it's the same reason why we're optimistic about the Chargers in a lot of ways, uh, because you're close, and you lose close games by being bad from a game day perspective, and. Um, it's it's pretty clear and obvious that you know as the Dan Quinn era has gone on, like this collapse kind of became a real life thing that they could never quite shake, and um, the confidence in close games and, and in crunch time never really materialized. And I mean, there there were other one score games that I didn't mention, like seven point loss to Carolina in Week Five that got Dan Quinn fired. So yeah, I, I think this team has talent. I think they've had bad coaching and it's one of those things where inevitably sometimes a scenery change for both parties is required. And I think that catalyst you know, should bring about better results for Atlanta. If they kind of say, okay, let's, let's stop living in the shadow of what we didn't do a few years ago and let's get back to basics and let's focus on fundamentals, disciplined football, not beating ourselves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How do you, how do you, or where the AFC, the NFC South, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
I sort of feel like this reset comes at a good time. They're one year behind Atlanta, but I mean, the wheels are going to fall off in New Orleans real quick here. And Tampa, it's, you know, it, I, I think they do have a lot of long term assets in place, but, you know, you think about Tom Brady, like, I don't know how much longer he's going to play. I, I think he'll play next year. I don't know how much longer. So you could probably get ahead of both New Orleans and Tampa Bay in terms of those resets and it, get ahead and really just, you know, like the the division's going to turn over here, and I think you're you're kind of doing this at a good time, right. To get ahead of it, right. It's kind of the uh, the writings on the wall that both New Orleans and um, Tampa Bay are in win now windows, and you've got maybe a two to three year before they have to start asking themselves some really hard questions. Yeah. Uh, at at best for those two teams, at worst if you're Atlanta. Right. So New Orleans, their cap situation, they're going to have to navigate that. There's going to be players that are coming available and um, players that they're not going to be able to replace because it's just a numbers game when you're that far in on the here and now. So uh, Atlanta, kudos for being honest with themselves instead of continuing to stay. Oh, well, you know, we're close. we're close. We're right on the cusp of where we want to be. Let's run it back for another year. And like we criticize teams for changing too much. Uh, but Dan Quinn had five seasons or six, five full seasons to work with. And they peaked in year two and they've gotten worse every year since. So again, stop focusing on the, the ghosts of 2016 and let's start focusing on what we can do moving forward uh, to improve. Joe, my question for you is this mm-hmm. Atlanta right now sits at four and nine. Mm-hmm. Do you know who their last three games are against? I do. I do know. They're going to lose all three of them, two against the Bucks and the Chiefs. So they play home against Tampa at Kansas City and at Tampa to close the season. So, First of all, yikes. Yeah. Second of all, is this a tradable asset that they're getting here? Potentially, yeah. I mean, you, you could be in position. Well, dude, you could be in position to find your successor to, to Matt Ryan, right? So that, yep. that's one thing to think about. But if you're, you're not, if you're not feeling that, then you probably can get quite a bit in a trade back for a team that wants to move up for Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or whatever they like. And you can acquire what we've mentioned so many different times. You can acquire something to jumpstart your rebuild and the best possible thing, and that's extra draft capital and year one of your you know reset so that is um that flexibility to do either one like hey if you like the quarterback just pick them if not get a bunch of draft picks and get things right around that quarterback and like you mentioned at the very start of this Falcons discussion there's a reasonable amount of building blocks in place here that you know doesn't make it quite as steep of a, a transition here to get this thing right Shuby, can you do me a favor sure can you explore what the tradeability of Matt Ryan's contract is? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Cause Joe, my, my galaxy brain here is now working and I'm thinking it. Okay. Let's Atlanta trades back from four. Hypothetically, they they're not interested in the quarterbacks in the field of play, but they find somebody like San Francisco or Chicago who is, and those two teams are going to be picking in the teens, right? So if you move out of four and into the teens, you're picking up an extra one, right? Plus probably a two and then some change for a quarterback. Would you agree with that price point? 
I do. Now, what happens if you do that? You call up the New York Jets. You see what Sam Darnold's price is. And then you can flip Matt Ryan if he's tradable and make a transition into a young quarterback to get younger to work moving forward with. And you're setting yourself up for long-term success by having multiple first-round picks as well. I have the numbers. Okay. Are we designating Matt Ryan as a pre-June 1 trade or a post-June 1 trade? How, how do we want to do this? He's the least dependent variable in this scenario. So I would say I know it's more cap-friendly to trade him po- post-June 1st. So yes, let's tra- let's trade him post June thirst first. And we're doing this in the year 2021, so I have to make sure I'm looking at that uh, line of his contract. He Correct. would he, it would be 17.912 million dollars in dead money and 23 okay. million dollars in cap savings mm. if he was traded post June 1 in 2021. You wish that was a little more favorable, but it's not terrible. If you feel like you need to hit that reset, then I don't think there's enough there that makes you say, no, we can't. You don't want to know what it is pre-June 1. Mm-hmm. Oh, they'd, 40, they'd, lose, they'd lose money, right? Like they'd so it's, 40, money yeah, it, it's $44.4 million in dead money, and it would actually cost them three and a half more against the cap. The thing about Matt Ryan is I think, I think he's – an effective quarterback. And I think he has been for a long time. And I don't think there's anything about the way he plays the game that gets you super nervous about him having a a drop off where, I mean, like the wheels fall off and he can't throw footballs anymore. Like the way he plays the game, I I think he's probably going to be okay for a little bit. The, The question you have to ask yourself is how much does he limit you? Because he's not much of a, a guy that offers mobility, which, you know, in, in today's NFL, I, I just I feel like if you don't have that at quarterback, then you are just behind the eight ball and trying to run offense to the levels you can in this environment. And, and you know, you're just naturally a little bit limited because of the skill set. But if, if you're comfortable with that pocket style passer, Matt Ryan's still extremely effective in that role. But you also have to ask yourselves, Matt Ryan's going to be 36 next year. Right. You're sitting on a time bomb in which and what I mean by that is what happens if Matt Ryan wakes up one day and decides he's had enough. So if you come into this, you're working with a 36-year-old starting quarterback who is regressing when you look at his statistical production over the last three seasons. He's gone down in every major passing category in three consecutive seasons. And he's 36 years old and you are pressing reset as a franchise, is there not some motivation here to let's cash out before the rug gets pulled out from underneath of us, Matt Ryan retires, and then we get nothing? For sure. Absolutely for sure. But the worst case scenario is you know exactly what you have. Correct. And they have not supported Matt Ryan with any type of a run game in years. Correct. And so he's literally had to be the Falcons offense. I understand getting the ball to Calvin Ridley, who's outstanding, and Julio Jones. And you know, that makes it that makes your your uh your job as a pocket passer more helpful, but goodness gracious, the, the run game has just not been a thing in Atlanta. So one word to describe the Houston Texans Levi Grail theme. What is it? Um I feel like opportunity. 
patience opportunity? I'm going to go with Deshaun. That's my word. Okay. Well, yeah, that's probably pretty fair. I'm the Atlanta get other words, and you're going with the player. The Atlanta like Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons. You have, you've already said my answer. You you go first then. What, what do you what do you got? Flexibility. Oh, flexibility. There's so many directions that you can yeah. go, and this draft asset, this draft asset being as high as it is, is really going to give you the opportunity to swing the gate, however you would like to. Be inspired, folks. Better days are coming. There you go. So Atlanta, Houston, lay down and bleed a while. But just know you'll rise to fight again because that's what we do with the Levi Grail. Your season is over. You are not making the playoffs. But 2021 brings hope. And for both of these teams, to some degree, fresh starts, which will be very welcomed. Uh, we are very welcoming to have you return to listen to the rest of our shows and programming this week here on the Draft Dudes podcast. We have show tomorrow. We have live stream Thursday night. Kyle Krabs, Chris Schubert, Joe Marino, the gang will be on YouTube, uh, youtube.com, the Draft Network for Would You Rather. We're looking forward to that. It will be a fun time. So come on over, swing by, check us out. And if you miss it, you can catch it on the podcast feed on Friday. This is the Draft News Podcast. Thanks as always for listening. We'll talk to you guys again soon.